your upcoming. Anyway, we'll start. Trace does the little, does a short introduction, and then I'll introduce you, and and um, we'll go from there. Hey, here goes. In partnership with the new Westport Library and the Quick Center for the Arts and iTunes, it's Oh Brother, not another podcast with me, Trace Burroughs. And me, Makes Burroughs, with our great guest today, Dodie Pettit and Rex Fowler of Aztec Two Step 2.0, and um, the origins uh, of which go to Aztec Two Step 1.0, but there was no 1.0 then. It was just uh, one of the most enduring folk groups around four decades, I think, right? You 71, you... Yeah, we met in 71, yep. Yeah. Neil retired uh, in 18, early 18. That's for the uh, old old people out there. Right? 2018. <laughs> right. And you and you met in Boston at a tea, at a folk uh, club or something. Yeah, it was like okay. uh, what do they call it? Um, audition uh, open mic night. Oh yeah, open mic night. You, you you'd be auditioning uh, for the weekend gig if you got lucky. Well, everyone, of course, you know, they want to know where the name comes from. Well, I'm going to tell, I'm going to take the burden off of you. It's from a Lawrence Ferlinghetti poem, Coney Island of the Mind. And here's the poem itself. So let's get this over with. <laughs> See, it was like this. When we waltz into this place, a couple of papish cats is doing an Aztec two-step. And I says, Dad, let's cut. But then this dame comes up behind me, see, and says, you and me could really exist. Wow, I says. Only the next day, she has bad teeth and really hates poetry. Wham! What what nineteen uh, year old wouldn't go, yeah. go gaga over that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know we're probably the only four people that know who Lawrence Ferlinghetti is, but um, no, I'm well, sure. Well, at, uh, at the time I was very much and still am into the Beats. I yeah. had written um, a song about Kerouac's uh, first novel, On the Road, and uh, so at the time also there were, every duo was using their last name, so. I didn't want to do that, and my partner Neil yeah. agreed with Aztec Tusup. We we didn't know at the time that that actually, thinking in the context of the poem, that it was a uh, dance step or something. Turns out it's it's a, a slang for dysentery in Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> so we set ourselves up for lots of critical. Uh, you know. Isn't there a group called the PP Dance? I don't know. There should. <laughs> anyway, um, PPE Dance. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> the PPE Dance. I don't want to like it. Yeah. yeah. Well, you've been great. You live in Westport now, and you play out. I guess maybe not as much as you'd like to with all this going on. Is there anywhere people get this out there? Live gig. Yeah. Believe it or not, our last gig was in Georgetown a couple weeks ago. Yes, I I, I heard that. That's I right. lived down the street with Roger Kaufman's uh, all-star band, and uh, yeah. it was fun. We brought our band. We have a five-piece band, uh, a lot of local musicians, including Joe Mayo, so that was nice to get to play. Yeah. yeah. And you were on our, we did a live broadcast from the library, which you couldn't do live, but we did play your uh, I Think I'm in Love Again uh, video at the end, which was really a great ending to our live oh, nice. podcast. Thank uh, you for that. That was the only video we podcast we did but yeah so you're in the in that with chris coogan and you were at uh, i forget the name of the club in new york i guess city winery city wine, that's right yeah yeah, yeah. that's so, a great place yeah. I, i'm just curious when you and neil met was it was the magic sauce that you you realized you could your harmonies were so good or you just were friends or what what triggers no, a we partnership were like that complete strangers he was six years younger than me uh I was a worldly 23-year-old, I guess. 
and um, <clears throat> he was barely 18. And uh, I heard him warming up before we actually started the, you know, there were 10, the first 10 people got to play that night. And I heard him jamming a little bit and um, I really pricked up my ears. I've been looking for a guy who I could, who would, could back me up. I wasn't looking for a partnership. <laughs> and uh, he was a feisty, eight, you know, cocky 18 year old kid from New York City. And I'm, a, you know, raised up in Maine, a rural kid. I was very shy, very insecure about my guitar playing, but I, I wrote a few good songs and I uh, had a pretty good voice. And so I had a, all the gigs lined up. We rehearsed three days. Um, we went into a, a, a place that's still open in Cambridge called, uh, I forget the name of it, but um, they still do su free Sunday afternoon concerts for, for, for kids or whatever. And there were 200 people there and we played the first song and the place went nuts. Hmm. We knew we had something really special because prior to that, I, I would always get very polite golf applause. <laughs> and you know, oh, how nice, how nice. <laughs> but we blew the room away with the th those five songs. I mean, we were swarmed afterwards oh. with all these kids. Yeah, you gotta come play in our college. So we really knew we had something right away. All, all the subtle stuff about our vocals fitting together, all that kind of, uh, we weren't, weren't really thinking about it, but we knew that we had some magic when we performed. And it turns out people do talk about how closely our, our voices match. And that's always a key if you're singing harmony, you know. Mm. And, and Dodie, by the way, has really picked up. I mean, uh, she has uh, just, since, since Neil retired, um, she was sitting in with us a little bit on keyboards. Yeah. And... Um, so, you know, she has done an admirable job uh, with the vocals. I mean, no one's ever going to match Neil mm -hmm. and me, our singing and uh, or his guitar playing. But Dodie has brought another whole element with her keyboards. Uh, she plays a wonderful acoustic and her real forte, in my opinion, is her electric, which Neil and I hardly ever did yeah. except on records. So it really is uh, that with the, the rest of the band, Joe Mayo on multiple uh, horns and whatnot it really is uh, we have a wonderful band that really represents more of what our records were like over the years as opposed to what neil and i got pigeonholed as which was an acoustic duo right. and our music has always been produced and i never thought of myself as a folk artist or anything like that but you know and Dodie, you, come, how, no, i'm sorry go ahead. You, no how did you two meet how did you uh, who wants to tell that story i'll tell a little bit of it then you can pick it up <laughs> in uh the 70s late 70s i moved to new york and i got married to a guy who ran a recording studio called blank tape studio which was a big deal studio in the 70s and 80s a lot of big acts went in there from madonna to talking heads to tom tom club to all the rap music the beginning of the rap era everything disco and disco all the beginning of the disco mm. era. So anyway, I was in the studio all the time trying to get songs recorded, which I did. I got a couple songs recorded and playing on people's sessions and things when I could. And also recording some of our own material. So one day a record company calls up uh, the studio and says they want uh, my ex-husband <laughs> um, to produce this new, this act, Aztec Two-Step, who I had vaguely heard of uh, but it was their fifth album, and they said they wanted uh, Richie to produce them. So they came in the studio and recorded their fifth album, and you can continue from there. <laughs>
<laughs> well, she she sang on every song. She played lead guitar on one of the songs that was more jazz oriented than than what Neil was comfortable playing, and um, we hit it off very you know immediately. Uh, just friendship, and um, we stayed in touch over the years. And um, uh, neither one of us can remember how we did that. We didn't exchange telephone numbers or anything. But uh, I remember that. Um, she got me two tickets to see her uh, uh, her her play on uh, uh, the musical she was a part of, the original cast member of Phantom of the Opera. Mm. And, you know, she took her, and, oh, the th I think I was going to say was the thing that I, um, I was, had never met a ballerina up close and personal. And she told <laughs> Why me, would you? <laughs> yeah. told, and I always loved dance, not yeah. just ballet, but, I, you know, ballet is the highest art form and, and it's such a small window to, to excel in it and it takes a lifetime to learn uh, as well and Dodie is one of those rare I've never met anybody like her but she started st studying ballet at eight guitar at 12 and by the time she was 17 years old she had started was had her own all-girl rock, rock and band and was, and was the principal dancer for the American Repertory Ballet and she continued ballet all through her 20s, 20s. and 30s and um, so when I met her, I was like, oh, my God, you're a ballerina, too. So it's a pretty extraordinary uh, artist, this young lady. And Broadway, yeah, and Cats, you were in Cats. And, uh, yeah, that was my first one. Oh, um, I saw that twice. <laughs> you did? In what years? Back in the 80s, you were probably in it, right? Maybe you saw me. Yeah. That's wild. I recognize with everyone. Who's... If you saw it on Broadway, you probably saw it. I was in it four and a half years. What years? Uh, I was in it from 82 to 80, no wait, I'm sorry. I was in it from 84 to 88. Yeah. And then I joined Phantom, which opened in January of 89. Yeah. Well, we have, you know, I, maybe two degrees of separation, which is I was, when I was at Staples, I was in the Staples Players, as was Kevin Gray. But uh, mm -hmm. um, Are you the same year? No, no, not at all. No, I'm about. 78 years older than he is was but uh, no i uh, no, i'm an, i'm uh, class of 63 at staples did you get um, any good parts at staples because he didn't get any good parts <laughs> no i was in the back of the chorus once yeah, no i actually i was the tech crew i wasn't even an actor i although i ended up going to carnegie mellon as a theater student but i never acted Whoa. are you kidding me That's yeah really? it's cool yeah, yeah. And by the way, I don't know if anybody knows, uh, other than people who know the name, but Kevin Gray was Dodie's uh, uh, late husband who yeah. uh, passed in 2013. Yeah. yeah, no, he was, uh, you know, he was one of those gra players graduates everyone boasted about, like, oh, you know, we... Oh, really? He didn't think so. He thought yeah. he was snubbed after he left. It was very, <laughs> they had some players 25 year reunion and we sat in the balcony while they fed it everybody else and didn't. Oh, and he geez. was not happy about that. No. But he loved Alpia. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I I got to meet Alpia and work with Alpia oh, did you? Yeah. once before he died. Here's a funny story. They called me up. You know how they do the summer theater shows at Staples? Not this summer, but every right. summer they do a big deal, and they get kids from all over the area. They allow in. It was Alpia's last year, and so they asked me if I would work with him, and we produced Cats, and it oh, was did in you? 2006. Did and we got a good, pretty good little cast. And I loved Al. I, I, he was a lot of, he was very sweetheart. He was a sweetheart. Yeah, he was beloved. Um, <laughs> no, I was there with uh, Craig Matheson and Steve Gilbert. They, I was there the second year 
of the player's existence. So, but anyway. Um, Where did you meet Kevin Gray, sweetheart? Well, I met Kevin um, uh, when he replaced the second leading man in Phantom. The first leading man was Steve, Steve Barton, who was the young leading man playing Raoul. And six, nine months into the show, Steve left the show and they hired Kevin Gray as to Raoul. Be, to be Raoul. Uh, oh, the, the young you lover of Christine. And the first time we ever saw each other was on stage in a rehearsal <laughs> because he had, he had to rehearse his parts before going into the show the next night. And we had a big rehearsal with everyone on stage and in he comes and we're rehearsing with him so he can get into the show. That's the first time I laid eyes on him. Mm. And we looked at each other and I said, hmm, this is <laughs> new guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, he blew you away with his talent. He did. Blow and, me. I mean, obviously. And he, and he, and he, he stalked me backstage after that. <laughs> and it was only <laughs> six weeks later that we like, actually became a couple. And Kevin went on to become um, um, the Phantom. The Phantom and starred in, in multiple lead roles. And, all in and stalked you on stage, I guess. So it was like. <laughs> Life imitating art, right? Well, we, we, we only played opposite one another. We were together in many shows. We did thousands of shows together. I became the understudy for the leading lady of, of Phantom after three years. What was her name? Christine. There you go. <laughs> I, I kept re-auditioning and said, give me a chance. I want to I wanna be a Christine. So I was the understudy while he was Phantom, and I got to perform with him about a dozen times. But that was it. Otherwise, we we were on the same yeah. stage, but not playing right. uh, opposite. I was dancing. over there doing that, and he was <laughs> that. <laughs> Did you ever bump into each other? No. <laughs> on trip over. You, you don't bump into the Phantom, or you, you get your. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, I, I would like to hear. I think you're, you'd like to play for us, and I, I, I need to thank our mutual friend Mark Yerku for introducing us in the first place. Oh yeah. Um, so it's been great uh, to know you guys briefly, but. What are you going to play? Well, here's a song that um, Dodie helped me finish. I started it in 2000, uh, late 2017 when my partner's uh, anastic two-step, uh, Neil Shulman's wife, passed away. And um, I wanted to write something, be, you know, it was a, it's a difficult subject, to say the least. Mm. Um, so it's called Words. I went during COVID, right, right during the lockdown, I, I showed it to Dode and, you know, she, she had certainly contributed so much to it, not only musically, but, you know, having lost her late husband, went through all of the uh, trials, slings and arrows of people meaning well, mm. to, you know, to say things, but usually ended up being worse than helpful. So she brought that with her beautiful musical part in, uh, in, into the song as well. So it's quite a collaboration. It's, the, it's the, um, probably the third song that we've collaborated on now since, um, since we got together. But anyway, it's called Words. All right. How do you tell someone who's lost someone who's never coming back? The sadness that surrounds your heart will fade but not to black. Words are vapid vessels, cold comfort at their best. Filled with good intentions, while your life is laid to rest. How do you tell someone who's lost someone they treasure and adore? 
that somehow they'll move past the pain of facing nevermore. There are no silver bullets, and everyone knows that. But it just hurts a whole lot worse if you keep on looking back. But words are all we have when talk till sorrow slips away. Every minute, every hour, every second, every day. Words that we keep searching for, reaching for in vain. Tumble out onto the floor or circle around the drain. Someone who's lost someone Then gets lost themselves That it may take a long, long time To crawl out of this hell No one knows for certain If or when that time will come So we hold on tight All our might And we circle around the sun But words are all we have Till sorrow slips away Swirling in the memories Of endless yesterdays Waking up each morning Faking it till when Sleeping all this mercy Overchase us once again But words are beautiful When spoken from the heart and words are meaningful until death do us part. Regardless of their fervor, no matter how they're parsed, time alone and only time can ease an aching heart.
It's beautiful. Yeah, that's really moving. That's. Is it? Did it, did it? Could you hear the words? Did it fracture? Yes. Did, did no, our it, lips sink in? Yeah. No, absolutely. No, it came across. I mean, just curious. You know, emotionally, is that is that difficult to to sing? Difficult, not just not technically difficult, but emotionally difficult to even sing every time. Or, well, we're all old enough. Yeah. Uh, to have lost people, and yeah. um, you know, honestly, it just feels good that we we. We have a, um, a quality song that, that, and we have gotten a lot of feedback from people who were quite moved by it. And that's what you want to do as an artist. Sure. You want to try to, um, you know, make a difference when you can. It's not easy. It doesn't always happen, believe me, more times than not. But when it does, it's pretty <clears throat> gratifying. From yeah, my people... part, I yeah. wanted to help with this song because I wanted, um, from my own experience, not to write a patronizing song. 99% of things that people tell you after someone passes away is totally patronizing mm. and detached. And um, the best thing people can ever say is, I hear you and I'm sorry. That's yeah. about it. Because anything else is, is yeah. you know, can press your buttons. But So I think we accomplished that and mm -hmm. uh, said a lot of of, of real truthful things and it, it might be hard to listen to for some people but comforting we've gotten comforting too some people said thank god you really said these things um but and the video is pretty cool it's um it's just a, a lyric video but um our, our videographer jane olderman down in atlanta put it together some uh, just two s different scenes but they're very moving and it really brings the message across even more so you can look look up uh words um how do you tell someone or just words as tech two step youtube and you'll it'll come up yeah yeah with lots of other videos yeah and and i don't recommend people do that because I, I was watching several um you know i have watched several but and then your your website is is it as tech two step 2.0 no it's just uh it's too we couldn't do it and still oh. whatever but um you know the 2.0 is it's kind of a yeah. Cheek. Actually, my partner Neil suggested it, and <laughs> okay. you know, yeah. uh, and, it, yeah. and and it works. I mean, it's worked. But basically, we're known as Aztec Two Step, and we have been our whole career. So that's what our, our website. You've done other, you do online performances or what, what no. kind of musically can you Honestly, do we may get yeah. to it. We got a camera that we're trying to figure out how to do that with, and. Um, it's just we're so tech. Uh, yeah. is the tech person. Get the light over here fixed a and, little better. <laughs> and uh, it's just so it's just it's mind-boggling. We're just we're old dinosaurs. But Dodie really is the one who can. Yeah, dig in we've and, done a couple of podcasts. We did one interesting thing. We uh, there's a place called Cafe Lena, which is a renowned folk club up in Sarasota Springs, and they had us do a gig there in July. And at first they were going to have 25 people in the room, mm. which is a big room, and but that's all the people. And then at the last minute, they said, no people. So we performed on the stage, complete with the band, and they had, had the camera, as if we were doing a television show or yeah. something, mm. and they podcasted it, and people, you know, I guess bought a ticket or whatever they did. Um, but that's kind of the wave of the future for right now. Hopefully it will go back. I mean, we did play outdoors and we're planning on playing outdoors next month. Um, Doing a few a private parties and things like that, yeah. you know. We played outdoors. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know what anybody's gonna do in the winter time outdoors. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Didn't you play, it? was it Weston Stock 
that thing with yeah. Roger Coughlin you played? Yeah. I think yeah. I saw you play there yeah. last summer, right? Yeah, that that was that was nice. Roger's been a really a, a very supportive uh, guy. He's a, a connected in the local music scene and he's done some wonderful work himself. And uh, so it's been it's been great. We've enjoyed. Yeah, he's hooked us up with a lot of musicians. We have to thank him for. Uh, we used to go to. We we kind of adopted a place called Three Two Three Bar on the corner oh, there right. yeah. by Crossroads. Mm -hmm. And when we were first trying to put our band together. Um, I said, well, there's a little place we can play to just hash things out and be under the radar, right? right. Um, and so we would invite, uh, we've invited a few different drummers to sit in mm -hmm. with us and we invited Joe Mayo and this and that. And, and Roger was there right smack in the beginning and he was like bringing people in yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. stuff. If it, and, and that's, yeah. it's, it's, technically we didn't bring Joe Mayo and we met Joe Mayo there when, we did meet him. when he was there with his, his jazz band and that's, that's where we, right. And and our drummer was in that band as well, uh, Peter Holmeister, oh, down from yeah. down in uh, Stanford. So it's it, you know it's really three two three is a, a it's a fond you know lots of memories and important for us as our little new you know five uh, a little new Essex two sub two point band. But we're uh, a, a quintet. I hope people will come out and see us. It's really pretty. Another gig lined up now. Mm -hmm. What's your next gig. Barrett Delaney, September 11th. Yeah, up in That's uh, kind of New Hartford, Connecticut. New Hartford, Connecticut. But, you know, look, uh, assuming that, you know, within a reasonable amount of time, um, we'll be back up and running at some point and playing on a you know, pretty regular basis. We'll be, we'll, I'm sure we'll get to play the Levitt. I'm sure we'll get to play, mm. uh, what do you call it, um, uh, the Fairfield Theater Company. Well, we did Fairfield Theater Company yeah. once we did last a, year. A, we did a, a fundraiser for her ballet company here, in, uh, which is called? Connecticut Dance School. I'm yeah. on the board of directors. Oh, are you? Yeah. Yes. Oh, you know, they, uh, well, I did their website for about 10 minutes, and then they, I think they had some issues, and I stopped doing it. But oh, yeah, you do websites? Yeah, I did the Connecticut Dance School oh, what's last year. Well, we year. have to talk to you. We, we need to, help. We have trouble. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, well, it wasn't meant to be a plug, but yeah, happy to help. No, come on. Come on. That's what I do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, maybe we should go, because we're almost out of time. Well, we really don't have a super time limit, but I would like to play with this next the song that you sent me is Apocalypse. You want to give a little? Almost tell Apocalypse. Tell us about it. Was, yeah, Almost Apocalypse. It was on our, you'll hear a little bit in the introduction. You know, I always kid about, you know, we sort of, when the Earth's crust was just starting to form, you know, our band, uh, we put this record out and it came out in 72 on, on, on Electra. We had three other albums on RCA after that, but um, this song was one of the featured songs of, of our, our self-titled debut album on Electra. The banjo player, <laughs> the banjo. Doug Dillard, uh, from the Dillards, world famous. Uh, he was out in LA at the time and our producer brought him in. So what Dodie did, is kind of emulate some of the the the, uh, the banjo, the banjo incorporated with the electric, electric guitar, guitar that lips. was on the record as well, yeah. which Neil actually played on the record. Yeah. A anyway, but she kind of uh, did a hybrid of these two things. It's pretty powerful, and that this was the first time we performed that song live, and it was uh, first time you know, and Joe Mayo uh, took it to another whole level with this with this amazing sax solo. So it's got a lot of energy. Give you an idea of what we you know what we sound like, and you'll hear this young lady on electric <laughs> guitar, yeah. which. Just kills. No, no, I'm telling you, she's something else. <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to play it now, and I'm going to turn All off right. my phone so it doesn't. Uh, right. <laughs> doesn't turn off ring. your phone so it doesn't ring in the doesn't middle. Doesn't ring in the middle of this. Oh. 
right, we're going to go back to the very first album when Earth's crust was just starting to form. This is a song called Almost Apocalypse.
Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. That was the first time we ever performed it. So, um, you know, there's a, there's a few little things, but we're the only ones that noticed. Where was it? Was it in a club? Where were you? Yeah. No, it wasn't a club. It was a con small concert hall in Massachusetts. I don't remember the name of the town, but oh. I know where it was. Yeah. yeah, we don't play that many clubs, honestly. Uh, we play mostly small, little performing arts centers. Venues, yeah. yeah. Well, thank you. That was just that's a good way to sort of wrap things up. It's such a rousing tune. So thank you. Thanks. Thanks for having us.